We're going to take the Bibles and turn to Genesis 14, 17. Genesis 14, 17. Title of message, the bread and the wine. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him after he returned from the slaughter Chelodermer, Myrrh, and of the kings that were with him in the valley of Sheban, which is the king's dale. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. Let's pray together, please. Heavenly Father, we do thank Thee for all Thy blessings that You give us in Christ Jesus and Your everlasting mercies and all Your kindness that You've given us. And we just praise Thy holy and precious glorious name. We thank Thee how Jesus died on the cross for us, deliver us from our sins and to cleanse us from those and also prepare a place for us in glory which we which shall come and take us quickly unto Him. We just thank Thee and praise Thee in Jesus Christ's name. Pray Your mercies be upon each one, those with Christ and those without Christ, that You meet the needs of each one. We thank Thee in Jesus Christ's name and for His sake. Amen. It was not just a coincidence that Abraham uh, Abraham ended up north of Salem, and this was, uh, of course, the future spot of Jerusalem. And Melchizedek was the king and priest of, uh, of, of Salem and uh, of the Most High God, a forerunner, of course, of Christ Jesus. And remember the Psalms, he'd, made a, he'd be made, if you will, a, a priest, a priest at forever after the order of Melchizedek. And the eternal priest and king of peace, priest, peace excuse me, Jesus Christ, well, what about the bread and the wine served to Abraham and the father of all that believed? Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, and in the future, his millennial rule will be at the same place, then he will rule in eternity in New Jerusalem. And so this is, uh, if you will, on God's landscape. Jerusalem is a special place, and, and uh, this is the first ruler that we hear about in this area are in Salem and is Melchizedek but he is a priest and a king and the bread mention of the uh, first mention of bread is associated with uh, man's curse there in uh, Genesis 3 19 in Genesis 3:19, in the sweat of thy face shall thou eat bread till thou Return unto the ground, for out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and to dust thou shalt return. And so this is the first mention of bread in the scripture. It's speaking of Adam, and as he had fallen and in the Garden of Eden, and he had partaken of the partaken of the of the forbidden fruit, but really his heart was the problem that he was able to take of the forbidden fruit because it already, if you will, had gone from uprightness to wickedness, and the work of Adam, uh, the curse came upon all mankind, and so therefore all mankind are full of corruption. And um, we think it as he mentioned, children of Israel, we see them as a cycle, as Brother Terry speaks about, going uh, from following God to not following God to turning against God, and then God would send someone to turn around and 
book of Judges. There's Judges, other places, was prophets, sometimes kings that God used. But nonetheless, this is kind of the way people are. We tend to go toward unrighteousness. And sometimes when things are going smooth or something that we kind of lose touch or get backslidden or fall away from God. And this is, uh, uh, this is the first step, if you will, as Adam had taken in there in the Garden of Eden. This also points to the rest- restoration, the removal of the curse of death and the giving of eternal life and the acceptance of his sacrifice as revealed by his resurrection. There in Isaiah, in the book of Isaiah, a familiar verse, But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. And so this speaks of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We find in Adam, the first Adam, that he failed, and by him we all fail and became uh, corrupt. And it's not just a little corruption, it's full of corruption. And here we have the mention of Jesus Christ and the resurrection, if you will, and, and the speaking of him as he will, uh, if you will, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. The second mention is in our passage that where Melchizedek serves Abraham with the bread, he speaks of Jesus Christ, the last Adam, and the quickening spirit. And in speaking of 1 Corinthians 15, 45, in the latter part, that Adam, the last Adam was the quickening spirit. He's not the second Adam. He's the last Adam. And whose body and is the true bread and wine. Our third example of bread in the scriptures is mentioned in uh, of the unleavened bread. And that was... Uh, was that of Lot serving the angels that came to destroy Sodom, and we have the more most corrupt city uh, since the flood, if you will, and and uh, it's destroyed by these angels. And the first mention of unleavened bread with a spiritual significance stands for righteousness in that place. The angels were about to bring the wrath of God upon the evil cities, and only Lot and his would be delivered there in Second Peter, where it speaks of this. In Second Peter two seven, starting there and and delivered just Lot, vexed with his filthy conversation, conversation of the wicked, for the righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day and, and with their un lawful deeds. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the un, the godly, excuse me, out of temptation and to preserve the unjust until the day of judgment to be punished. And so we see here the, the example of Lot and there he was in the most wicked city as far as I know upon the face of the earth. It was the most wicked city in the area for sure and God was getting ready to destroy it and delivered Lot his wife looked back, and so she was turned to a pillar of salt. And and we see that even though he's called just uh, Lot and righteous man, and so on and so forth, we know that uh, that he would make a lot of the lost people look good. 
by his actions the way he did. And this shows that uh, when we think about salvation, if God saves you, you're saved. And regardless of what you do, and this is not a a message, go out and sin all you want to, uh, God will take care of you if you do. But uh, the point is, is that we're not kept by ourselves. We're kept by the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. A fourth example of bread is the mammon from on high. It is mentioned there in Exodus 16, 15. We do want to turn to John and the book of John. Uh, 631, John 6:31. <clears throat> fathers did eat mammon in the, de- in the desert, as is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven, for the bread of God is the he which cometh down from heaven and giveth his life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. And then in verse 49, starting there, And it says, For your fathers did eat mammon in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. forever, And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. And so we see that Jesus speaking of himself I'm going to read just a few more verses how the Jews looked at that. But uh, again, it's speaking of his flesh here. And we know that eating of the flesh and drinking of his blood is mentioned in this passage. But we'll uh, get to that in just a little bit. But nonetheless, in 52, the Jews therefore uh, strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except... Ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whosoever, excuse me, whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. In verse 56, he that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. So this shows a close connection. It's being not only uh, Christ um, around us, it shows Christ in us. And, of course, we know that these, as it mentions on down later, that these words are spirit and they are truth. And so as he spoke these words, they didn't understand it at all, that they must be partakers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when Jesus says, you must eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, they couldn't comprehend even thing what Jesus is speaking of. He said, how can we, he give us flesh? And... And so uh, many in our day have taken that, and when they serve the Lord's Supper, they literally think that becomes the flesh and, and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, but of course it doesn't. It's still just unleavened bread and wine. It doesn't change. If uh, I asked a person one time, I said, do you think if we you know, empty your stomach contents of the Lord's Supper that it would be wine and flesh? 
I mean, this is what they're saying, and of course, this is not, I mean, uh, blood and flesh, and of course, this is not what it is at all. It'd be bread and wine. Jesus is the bread of life and the staff of freely given for mankind's healing. There in 662 of John, what and if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is the Spirit that quickened, the flesh profited nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. And we know that by this time he had a large following. I mean, they had all kinds. But after he's, this message about his body being the <clears throat> being the eat of his flesh and drink of his blood, that most of them went away from following him. And Jesus asked the twelve apostles, "Will you also depart?" And of course, Simon Peter stepped up and said, "Well, where where else could we go for the word of life?" And this paraphrase of it, and and Jesus said, "Have not I chosen you?" And then he says, "One of you is a devil." And, of course, that was Judas Iscariot. The wine, the first occurrence in the Bible of wine <coughs> related to Noah getting drunk. And, uh, and so we see that first mention of bread is, is Adam and worked by, uh, by the sweat of his brow or his face. And, <coughs> if you will, that he would uh, to earn his bread. And, of course, that's speaking of food there, of course. And, again, it shows us the wicked and fallen man. But here was Noah. He, again, Adam, was supposed to be God's man. And here is Noah. He built the ark. And they went on the, on the, uh, uh, the, uh, the water for about a year and then come down. And, and they was uh, planted. And, of course, some of the... Uh, things that already, of course, growing by the time they got off the ark. And was one of the first things that Noah does, he gets drunk. <clears throat> and so this shows the wickedness of man. And again, uh, it is God's man uh, that's done this thing, but it still is wicked. <clears throat> the second curse of wine is that of our passage where Melchizedek served wine and is a type of Christ's blood. The first occurrence blood in the Bible, that of Cain spilling blood, is Abel, of course, in Genesis 4, 10, and 11. And, of course, that's when Abel, uh, when, <coughs> excuse me, Cain uh, went up and met Abel in the field, and then he, and he slayed him because he was more righteous than him. Uh, in Genesis 4, 10, and 11. And the second occurrence of blood is in the uh, Bibles in the law. And they're back in Genesis again, ninth chapter. <clears throat> ninth chapter in verse 4. But the flesh with the life thereof, which is the blood thereof, shall ye not eat. And surely your blood of your lives will I require at the hand of every beast. Will I require it, and in the hand of man, at the hand of every man's brother, will I require the life of man? Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For in it is the in, in for in the image of God made he man, and you and you be fruitful and multiply, and bring forth abundantly, and in the earth and multiply therein. And so that's the 
the second mention of the blood. The third is Exodus 12. Exodus twelve thirteen, and the blood which shall be be to you for a token upon the house where ye are, where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you, even when I smite the land of Egypt. And so again, the blood here is is a type of. Christ's blood and, if you will, the image of God, as I mentioned earlier, but this is more a particular example or type of Christ in the sense of the Passover and when the blood was put on the side post of the lineal, that uh, when the destroyer seen that, he'd pass over them. That's where the word Passover come from. In 1 Corinthians, it speaks of Jesus being our Passover, and so he is our Passover, and again, Part of that sign of the Passover was the blood, and it shows that uh, that they were protected. But it also shows something had to die for them to be protected, uh, it, and it was a lamb that had to be slain, and the blood taken and put on the on the entrance to the house, and that when the destroyer seen the blood, then it passed over them, and so it took a death, if you will, for that to happen. But we know that in the land, though, that everybody in the land, from the cattle to all the inhabitants of Egypt, the firstborn died that night. And the only one that did not suffer the firstborn of their cattle or of themselves was the children of Israel up in Goshen who put the blood upon the post of the house. And so uh, some men believe this is a type of uh, a point of the cross because the crown thorns on the head on the lintel and then blood on the door uh, the doorpost or as you go in picturing Christ's hands to the cross and <clears throat> nonetheless uh, we see that this is a, a type of Christ's blood and it and <clears throat> the first occurrence of blood in the Bible as we mentioned was Cain's spelling then we have Jesus if you will and as the Passover and then in Exodus 24, Exodus 24, 6, And Moses took half the blood and put it in the basin, and half the blood he sprinkled on the altar. And he took the book and the covenant and read in the audience of the people, and they said, All that the Lord has said will we do. And be obedient. And Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people, and then and said, "Behold, the blood of the covenant which the Lord made with you concerning all these words." Then went up Moses, Aaron, and Nadab, Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel. And so that's when Moses, of course, uh, was giving them the law and the sprinkling there, and going up the second time. Uh, and we reminded uh, that in uh, Hebrews 9.22, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood is no remission. And, of course, the earlier verses before that in Hebrews is what we read out of the book of Exodus, where 
uh, where Moses uh, put the, uh, took the hyssop, sprinkled the blood on the people. And, of course, again, uh, there was the death of an animal of some kind, whether it been the bull, sheep, or what it was, and they would take that blood and sprinkle it on the New Testament and then upon uh, the congregation, and that was making their sealing of the covenant. And there in, uh, do one turn to the book of Hebrews, nine, <clears throat> chapter, the ninth chapter. Oh, Hebrews. <clears throat> Hebrews 9, 23. It was therefore necessary that the pattern of these in the heavens should be purified with these, but but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifice than thee, these. For Christ is not entered into the holy place made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God, nor yet with the blood offered him, not, excuse me, nor yet that he should offer himself often as a high priest, enter into the holy place every year with the blood of others. But then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now, once in the end of the world, he hath appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself, and is appointed unto man once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and to them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. And so the, the things we see of Moses and all the priests doing for all those years is a type of Christ. And it speaks of his blood and the purification. And part of that purification is, if you will, is preparing the, play, the way for us, uh, sinners saved by grace. And we don't know, or you may know more than I do about that, about purifying the things in heaven, because I think the heavenly things should be purified. So, well, it, it, it's purifying us as we come in, and I think we'll be pure when we get there. So, uh, nonetheless, there, uh, that is speaking of that this cleansing has taken place, and, of course, is by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. There in... Um, 10th chapter and the uh, and the fourth verse starting there for it's not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins wherefore that when he cometh into the word he says sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not but a body is thou prepared for me and the burnt offering the sacrifice for sin thou hast no pleasure then said I lo I come in the volume of the book that is written on, of, of me to do the will of God Above, when, he's, when he says, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin, thou wouldest not neither have pleasure in, uh, therein, which are offered by the law. Then said I, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God, and take away the first, that he may establish the second, and by which, he, we, by which will we are sancti- sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all, and the high priest stands daily ministering and offering sometime the same sacrifice, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he offered our sacrifice for sin, forever sat down on the right hand of God, 
from henceforth expecting all tell all his enemies shall be made his footstool and for one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified and then it speaks about the holy spirit as being our witness of the of the of these blessings that god has given us then in matthew uh, uh, the bread and the body tied together if you will and the blood and the wine and of course at matthew 26 Matthew twenty six twenty six, And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sin. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. And so we here have the combination first. We read in John where Jesus says you must partake of his flesh and blood. And here Jesus says, this is my blood. I mean, this is my flesh and this is my blood. And so these we see as a type. It's not literally the body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in order that we might partake of that, we must be, if you will, <clears throat> perfected uh, by Christ Jesus. The Lord's Supper won't perfect you. A baptism won't perfect you. won't wash away your sins. won't do anything. If God hadn't done a work in your heart before you get to that point, <clears throat> all these things will have no avail and be of no value to you. We are not to be like the disciples that heard Jesus and did not believe. In Romans 3.25, whom God has set forth to be the propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sin that are passed through the forbearance of God. And, and usually we think the past there is talking about the Old Testament saints uh, that uh, here Jesus, uh, after they had committed all their sins and after, uh, if you will, they died and passed away, uh, that this is by the for, uh, forbearance of God that they were looking forward to the sacrifice that was and did come in Christ Jesus. And, and we see that it's for the remission of sin, this propitiation, that Jesus paid our debt, pay, appeased God's wrath toward us and made everything right or in the sight of God that we might enter in uh, to glory. And so the way has been paid, the price has been paid, and all this now we're waiting for is that time when Christ will come and receive, him, receive us unto himself. Only those who are partaking of the blood and body of the Lord Jesus Christ by the regeneration by the Holy Spirit and placed in his church at good standing can partake of the Lord's Supper. And we say, well, why is that? I mean, I mean a lot of places have what they call close communion. Some have open communion. Some have... Close communion, open communion, means anybody. You're just sitting around, whether you, I mean, whether you say you're lost or say, I mean, if you wanted to, you could partake of it. And, and close communion means that those of like faith and order, but not necessarily of that group, that they're under the discipline of some other church. And close, and close communion <coughs> means it's just the body of Christ 
that's here, this the Philadelphia Baptist Church, and those that are members here properly can take of that because they're under discipline of this church. Those are out of sorts with the church, can't partake of it until they get right with the church. And so this is uh, <clears throat> what we speak of, being under the discipline of that church. And so the supper speaks of the Lord Jesus Christ, <clears throat> His church unity and exclusiveness, that we're exclusive as a body of Christ, as if we were the only body in the world. We're as much a body as any other church in the world. And somebody says, well, you all have a small church. We have a small congregation. But you can't have a small or big church. A church is just a church. It's just a simile of the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, we know what they mean when they say that. But the point I'm making is, is that this church, whether it had two or three, would be as acceptable unto God as a big church somewhere celebrating the Lord's Supper. We need to do it decent and in order and to the honor and glory of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and be prepared in our hearts and mind that we partake of the Supper. The Supper speaks of Him, His church, unity. As we mentioned, the bread and the wine does not turn into the body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ but is a memorial to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see that in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 11, 25. <clears throat> I don't know if I'm going to get there or not. And after this manner also he took the cup, and when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, this do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as oft as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he comes. And so we think about the Lord's Supper as a memorial speaking of Jesus in the past, his suffering and what he's done for, of his presence, that he's delivered us from sin, and that which is yet future till he comes again. And so the Lord's suffering encompasses all of this, not just what Jesus done on the cross at Calvary, which was <coughs> spectacular and, and what it will take us to glory, <coughs> but the present, if you will, of what he's doing in the church and among these people, but until he comes, that we're looking for him to come. And, we, and when we take of the Lord's Supper, then part of the supper is that we're looking that Jesus will come. He could come this morning at any time. Brother mentioned there in, second, uh, or in Simon Peter's epistle where they <clears throat> said, well, where is this coming? You know, we, we've been looking for him, you know, and all this, that, and the other. Uh, let me say to you, Jesus is going to come just like he saved you. As brother said, he picked a time, place. I believe he picked the witness. He picked everything there was there, and at the right time, he saved you. And so there's the time and place, if you will. We know when, where Jesus is going to step down because it already tells us that. But we know 
that there is a time given. And when is that time? I don't know. I know that God warned them about the flood and and they didn't believe that. And, and when Noah went out and preached for 120 years, they thought him a fool for preaching a worldwide flood. Many today really think Noah was a fool. And those that believe in a worldwide uh, flood is a fool. I heard one, so really it was a, <coughs> it was a localized flood. And I thought to myself, what a foolish thing to say. So here you have Mount Ararat, and the water goes up to 15 cubits above Mount Ararat. Now I'm using what they say, and it doesn't flood the rest of the world because why? Gravity quit working. I mean, was it suspended? And that water just had like a cajel thing around, like the Red Sea, and took it up like that. The Bible doesn't say that. It covered the whole earth. And just like Jesus coming, Lot make fun that he's coming again. But even as we take of the supper this morning, we have our minds that this could be that day. This could be the last time that we meet here in this building. Could be. We don't know the coming of the Lord. But we do know what He's done for us. And this morning, as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we think about His body, <clears throat> that it was how He was crucified, and we could speak of the thorns on His crown and being nailed to the cross and the sword in the side, the different beatings that they gave Him and, and all the things and all that was the, the chastisement of our peace. <clears throat> Through His misery and suffering, we have peace. And then his blood was spilt out. Somebody says, I don't like that word spilt, but in Samuel's epistle, that's what spilt. I mean, Samuel's epistle. Samuel, that's what it speaks of, and that his blood was spilt out. And what else would you call it? Well, when they took that sword and pierced his side, out come blood and water. And that was because of all the injuries, and some speak of the broken heart, but nonetheless, Jesus did that for us. We could understand how he cried in the, in the garden and finally said, Not thy, my will be done, but thine. And then in John he said, Why well, should not I go? In other words, it was all settled. Jesus went willingly and yet on obedience unto his Father. Matthew 26, 26 again. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it, gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is the, my body of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins.